Aloha! Welcome to the most must listen podcast in Bay Area sports. Welcome to With Authority. I'm Casey Pratt. That's Larry Beal. We are joined by Leonard Torres, our super producer, and you are inside. The ABC7 Sports Department. I thought he wanted to remain anonymous. I thought he didn't want his name used. Take two. Uh, it's our baseball <laughs> preview edition. Coming up, how last year's wretched Giants season almost killed me. Well, maybe not cause and effect there, but there was an emergency room visit. Over-under on the Giants and the A's win totals. Big picture on the Larry Bear suspension. And the one item that people, while they argue about the length and whether it was the right or wrong result... They're missing one item that is enormous, and it's right in front of everybody. We'll discuss that. Plus, uh, on the lighter side, you just recently had a big trip, so we'll talk Jack Daniels and electric cars. Drink responsibly. Please, please do. Let's start. Okay, we're going to talk baseball, but we're going to start with a bet that we made probably it was almost a year ago. It was right before the start of the regular season. Uh, everybody probably knows by now Casey has... Uh, green and gold underwear he's every all a's all the time has loved them since he's a little kid and so just to mess with him i thought you know what let's make a bet who's gonna have a better season giants or a's because we figured that both of them were going to be right around 500 last year it seemed like a reasonable bet yeah and i knew that we would be kind of running this back all year and it would be the source of our smack talk in the office pre-podcast which now you get to hear it all uh for the whole season so i thought maybe we make this a serious bet and I figured, why not make it so that the loser has to eat 36 inches of Subway meatball sub? Well, because you had already owed me <laughs> yeah, a, did uh, from six. some bet that we can't even remember. So he owed me one, and we thought, well, let's go double or nothing. And Casey put the twist on it. Uh, let's make the loser eat two full foot-long subs. And then we just kept adding inches to the equation. Right. But, you know, I deep down in all honesty, thought it would be me eating the Subway. But then as the season went on, the A's caught fire and the Giants kept struggling. And then I started realizing it wouldn't be me eating the sandwiches. (laughs) And I started finding any images of meatballs I could find. Oh, speaking of which, I'm going to get the Yeah, Larry's going to go get them. I I, uh, went on a trip and my daughter bought me a gift. And his name is Meatball Paul. And she didn't even know about the this bet. Is amazing. So Meatball Paul Does has he become. Still smell. Oh yeah. <laughs> Meatball Paul has become the mascot of the sports department. Hopefully you can see Meatball Paul if you're listening on the podcast. It is a brown meatball with a little red marinara on top, and he smells well, just like an actual meatball. It's, and it's it a is, toy. It is wretched. Yeah, it's, it's a little a kid's toy. toy. It almost looks like a poop emoji. Uh, but, yeah, it's a little plush kid's toy. So if you're watching on YouTube, you see it. If you're listening on the pod, just know this thing reeks. And so this has been our sports department mascot. And so we got about to the point where the A's had clinched it all and we were about to go to Subway and start picking up meatball subs. And then then it happened. We should mention that at oh. every opportunity, he when, when the A's won and the Giants lost, which happened a lot last year, Casey would text me, send – some sort of reminder, maybe like a picture of Meatball Paul with the, the phrase, hi, Larry. You know? <laughs> I don't know why Meatball Paul talks like that. He goes, hi, Larry. That's his voice. That's the voice And, and so him. whenever anything would happen, like Chris Davis would come up to the plate and he did a home run and I'd go, that's a spicy meatball. And Larry actually started using that call in the highlights, which was 
hilarious and awesome, and nobody got it but us. No. And now you get it, All podcast right, so, listeners. So we fast forward to, uh, obviously, the A's win 97 games. You win the bet by a mile. And people were wondering, well, this should be jamming these subs. Are you even going to be able to eat two subs? Yeah. We should Facebook Live it. How do we promote it? Mm-hmm. A friend of ours uh, from Facebook was asking, hey, let me know when you're going to do this so we can blow it up. This is because they, they want original Everyone content. Everyone wanted to see Larry they, eat the meatball they, subs. They wanted to see my Joey Chestnut impersonation. And then one day I was sitting here. And I, I was eating a wrap, and I won't say from where because I don't want to incriminate them it or be sued. It wasn't Subway, though. Uh, it was not Subway. It was not Subway. Um, and ended up getting food poisoning. Long story short, uh, I ended up being rushed to the hospital. Casey thought I was having a stroke or a heart attack. Like I was Googling stroke symptoms. <laughs> because <laughs> look, look at me. I mean, I'm a stroke waiting to happen, basically. Oh, no. Uh, a heart attack uh, in progress. So... They determined they actually the, the paramedics were great. They came in the office, which and they they wheeled me out of here on a gurney, which is like one of the most <laughs> embarrassing things. Not the way I envisioned leaving ABC Seven, uh, but they gave me an IV, and as soon as I I was so dehydrated from throwing up that as soon as they gave me the IV, I was back in the game. I was ready to sportscast again. They said, "You don't get it." Once we show up, you're going to the hospital. And that's, you're staying there. That's that's a whole other podcast because uh, the hospital visit was I went, nuts. I went but, with Larry in the ambulance, and when we got to the hospital, they're like, well, how do you usually feel? And he's like, I have the strength of 10 men. <laughs> well, I was slightly <laughs> delusional. I was, I was a little off uh, as I got more and more dehydrated. But what happened was uh, after, after the emergency room episode, uh, management was not as high on the whole. Let's see how much uh, meatball we can consume because we already. So it, they basically uh, they spared me and uh, the bet. I don't know. The bet is still on, sort of, but uh, double or nothing. I don't have to. Well, <laughs> we're gonna go from two to four subs. Well, yeah, and, right, and I'll then, take the A's. <laughs> no. So this year we got to look at it again, and I don't even know if there's a bet to be made. Well, of course, oh, there, there's always a bet to be made. But let's let's use this as the transition to the A's outlook for 2019. They won 97 games last year. First question, is there anybody with a useful ligament that can pitch? Unfortunately, no, and it just keeps getting worse because Jesus Lazardo, their top pitching prospect, who could have been their fifth starter, already down with a shoulder injury. So the team goes from having no pitching to even less pitching before the season starts, which is nothing new for them. They went through about three different starting rotations last year. So can they get to 97 again? What is the Vegas over-under line? Well, 83.5, I believe, is what we looked up. So I think we're both consensus over on that. They're going to get more than that. Well, Casey, by the the sound you just heard was Casey's fantasy draft because while we're doing this, he's also drafting. Tell us about your league briefly. Uh, This is is a six – keeper dynasty league and i've kept nobody so i got a lot of picks to make here early on uh we're gonna multitask we won't get too into that but we'll, i'll let you know who i'm picking you can't take mike trout because he's on another team yeah and i uh, probably won't pick any a's but right. so the a's i think is a consensus over for me i again they don't have a pitching staff but they really didn't last year either and the strength of the true. team is going to be the team defense which will help the pitching and the lineup which is full of a bunch of young talented grind it out type of hitters that really wear down opposing starting pitching and you see the a's often towards the end of games rally because they grind down teams and then they pounce on that bullpen and again 
the strength of the A's will also be their bullpen. So I'm going over big time on that. So you you would say how many wins projected then? Because do you mm. think that remember we haven't even talked about the loss of Matt Olson for four to six weeks or maybe longer because yes. of the hamate bone surgery that Gold occurred, Glover too, uh, the Power injury hitter. that occurred in Japan. So are you you're not anywhere near ninety or ninety seven? I'd are you? say I would I would put it at about eighty eight, eighty nine wins, and that's a very optimistic figure I'd say now. Here's where I think if you're an A's fan and you're a little nervous, you're looking at a starting rotation that's going to consist of Mike Fires, who's probably a number three on most teams, Estrada, Brett Anderson, Frankie Montas, maybe Aaron Brooks. That's not a very vaunted starting five, but what you have with the A's are A.J. Puck, one of their top prospects, should be back by midseason. Uh, Jarrell Cotton, another guy who could contribute this season. Jesus Lazardo could be here. I think he's probably four to six weeks on his recent injury, but he could contribute. And then towards the end of the year, you might even get Sean Manaya back, who no hit the Red Sox last year. So they don't really have a great starting staff, but they got a ton of really talented guys that are going to be coming back. And so by the time the current starting five goes down, maybe those guys will be ready to start <laughs> taking the slots in the rotation. Very and, optimistic yeah. view. And Matt Olson, it's a hamate. The hamate bone is located right between your pinky and wrist and it's a bone that breaks a lot in players and it's not something that saddles you for a long time it's basically a quick fix and you're waiting it out pablo sandoval broke his hamate bone in both hands yeah that, both that's wrists. that's very common in um in the playoffs for the a's uh jose guillen broke his hamate bone played through it and hit over 300 in the postseason for the a's a short patented postseason a short one as the a's as they often are with the green and gold but but the uh the medical news is you really don't need your hamate bone no you really don't it's there it'll snap it's it's the nub of the bat will often rub on it wrong so i think you know a lot of players do end up having their hamate bones broken um and it's it's a quick fix it's nothing that'll so all right give me the final number on the a's well like i said i go about 89 wins uh, wow. I'd say they got a shot at the playoffs. Hopefully it's not a wild card situation. Uh, one thing to keep in mind with the A's, and this is actually something that I, I talked to Matt Olson about a few was a couple months ago before spring training. The A's, if you took out like the first couple months where they were really finding themselves last year before they clicked, uh, and then they caught crazy fire, if they were able to kind of stay at a reasonable pace for the whole year, they would have won a lot more games. So I think the A's uh, do have a chance to really put it together this year, but until that starting rotation comes together, I'm going to keep it cautiously optimistic, keep it in the 80s, the high 80s. All right, would you say, because the the projection was 83.5, that it's almost like getting free money betting on the A's? Free money, it's a lock. Is that what? Stone cold, guaranteed lock, lock, free money. Lock sound effect here. (laughs) From the the With Authority (laughs) podcast, take the A's over 83.5. There you go. Now, unfortunately, we have to turn our attention to the Giants, who I believe are projected for 10 less wins than the A's. And I think they're going to have a much bigger gap than 10. That might actually be where our bet comes in. A 10-game spread. The margin? Yes. Can we make it 15 or something uh, like that? Vegas <laughs> says it's 10. Your tummy looks hungry for meatballs. Oh, so Larry. The, the question is, what did the, the Giants' new director of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, do over the past few months? And I have the perfect analogy I, I bet you Leonard has watched this show, Super Producer Leonard. You ever watch Storage Wars? 
I watched it a little too much. Yes. Okay, so the the concept on Storage Wars, you, you're familiar with Storage Wars? I watched Wars? way too much. You Storage have also. Wars. All right, this oh, is man. perfect. Everybody knows what it's about. I actually almost got into that business uh, several years back, and we could get into that too. It's honestly tempting to want to go and I've like been bid to on a, these lockers. I've right? been to it's a storage me? unit auction. Really? Should we just get into this instead of the Giants? Uh, well, it'd be, I'm sure it's more interesting. So a, a while back, this is a couple years ago. Me and my friend, my best friend, he had a big pickup truck. So on our days off, we would just go to Craigslist and we would look at the free listings. It's like the the Gary V handbook. Exactly. This is before Gary V talked about it. So we so in Danville, we would pick up free couches, we would pick up free dining sets, we would pick up all kinds of stuff for free. I'd basically wipe them down, list them on Craigslist and sell them and we were making thousands of dollars off free goods. And so what our plan was was to bank all this money and then start buying storage units. Um, what we ended up doing was stopping short on the purchasing of the storage units thing because that's a whole other crazy thing. It looks a lot easier than it does in the show, but we went to one, and it's like a caravan of people. And they all show up at once, they bid on the lockers, and then they all caravan right out to the next one. And it's all over. It's like Sacramento, all over California. Interesting. But I can tell you for sure the Why'd free you stop? items. Uh, you just got busy with life. I mean, I, I have two kids. I work right. a lot. We're always here together. Um, I thought there was going to be a more it's dramatic hard, it's finish. Hard, no, it's just it's hard to maintain. But we sold daily. We were selling items, and I mean, we were picking up stuff. We were selling for five hundred plus bucks a pop for free. Like people are just happy to get stuff out of their garage, and then we would take it and sell it. it just awesome. by chance, did you see Farhan Zaidi looking for any outfielders in any of these storage? Yeah, lockers? they opened up this storage <laughs> locker, and it was like all these. Uh, you know, fifth and sixth outfield types, AAA he, players. Are, Let me out of here. I think he found Mike Yastrzemski, Carl's grandson, yes. in one of those stories. But that's basically the kind of shopping that Farhan was doing the past few months. Yaz's grandson, Eric Kratz, Tom Murphy, Michael Reed, Yanjiver Solarte, and Gerardo Parra, who are probably going to be starters in the outfield. Uh, and if they're not, they'll be back in a storage they'll locker. They'll be back in a storage in locker. Sacramento. And uh, your favorite, Connor Joe. Connor, Connor Joe. Joe, we're just learning about. Two first names, can't go wrong. These are the guys that the Giants, after you perfectly predicted, kicked the tires on Bryce Harper and got nothing and liked it. And Every so time. What, what's surprising is that I was looking for some more dramatic move from the Giants this offseason. And they're, that, I, mean, I just gave you the list of names of a bunch of guys. And, you know, after going 64 and 98 in 2017 it's just completely bottoming out and then 73 and 89 last year uh, they you know they were around 500 for much of the season and just cratered at the end I would have thought okay we're gonna see a move upward here but it just seems like we're treading water and that's really the mark I, th I think their projected win total is like 73.5 and it'll be worse than that I guarantee it well I don't know if it'll be worse but I don't know that it's going to be much better it's hard to see them contending with the group that they have they have no outfield power again you're counting on a bunch of guys a bunch of 30 year old guys around the infield uh, you know I expect Evan Longoria to have a much better season than he did last year. But still, you have Buster Posey coming back from a hip. You have Brandon Belt, who seems to get hurt a bunch. Uh, they all lack in power. And w w how are you going to manufacture wins unless you're expecting Bumgarner, Pomerantz, Rodriguez, Holland, and Samarja, their, their starting pitching staff, unless you're thinking you're going to win a lot of 2-1 to one and 3-2 to two games, which is just not how the game is played anymore. Yeah, the Giants used to have... Tim Lincecum, the freak, Cy Young, 
at his best. They had Matt Cain, who was great for a long time. Madison Bumgarner was in that mix, and they could win the games that way. I mean, when they were winning championships, they were doing it with some of the lowest power numbers in the game. They were finding ways to win, and that's not going to happen anymore for them. And the problem with the Giants is you bring in Farhan Zaidi, who should be sitting here looking for diamonds in the rough in these storage units. Instead, they're chasing Bryce Harper the whole offseason, which is a message that makes no sense to me. When you're a team in desperate need of a rebuild, you shouldn't be going out here trying to sign Bryce Harper the year before that, John Carlos Stanton. I mean, what did they do? They tried to retool. They added they added Evan Longoria, who's aging, and Andrew McCutcheon, who's aging, and tried to retool with that. And those guys aren't going to do better in a pitcher's park. So here's, here's the challenge. you got to tear it down. Yeah, well, they don't want to tear it down. What they're but trying they have to, to do tear it down. is change tires on the car while driving 65 miles an hour yeah and and what's what's happening is they're they're crashing and burning on that concept i mean they're trying to change tires on a car that has no engine at this point well it's it's a four-cylinder at best and here's the worst part of the story because i just looked up the giants projected payroll for the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. It is still at a massive $171 million for a 70-something win team. Those two numbers just don't go together. I mean, if you're going to spend that amount of money, and they, they spent even more last year, you're expecting a sure division, if not World Series contender. And I know I go here a lot, but could you imagine what would happen if oh, you Billy handed, Bean had if you handed money, Billy Bean yeah. $170 million in payroll? They sure as heck wouldn't be losing 80 and 90 games. Yeah, I'm no, sure they no, would no. spend it on a new stadium, no, wouldn't no, they, no. Casey? Uh, so, yeah, that's a team. You look at the payroll, you look at the production, you look at the age of the roster, and you go, why were they even thinking about Bryce Harper? And Well, you got to put They have to tear it all seats. down. they got to tear it all down. they got to take the hit. They were afraid to take the hit and tear it down when they had the chance. Well, now, they did. They were 64-98 a couple of years ago. Yeah, but that, they were trying to win. I, well, that's what's they weren't trying the to rebuild. saddest part of all this they, is they, they were needed, trying. They so, needed to be rebuilding that whole time, and they weren't. Well, and that's the problem. We talked about this you know, many times, the fool's gold of the playoff series with the Cubs where they thought they were a closer away. They signed Mark Melanson, and he's been hurt ever since he got here, and they still owe you know 30-some million left on his deal. And the fool's gold was they weren't close to being a World Series team. They thought they were, and that has been a big part of, of what this downhill slide was. So, uh, you know, 73 really seems – if we're talking – if the bet is the gap between the A's and the Giants, I would have to take the Giants plus 15. Oof, even more gonna, than – yeah, that's way more than 10. If I try to consume more meatball subs – or yeah. have to consume more meatball subs. Yes, yeah, so that's that's the thing. I'd say even that would probably be a fair bet because I think the Giants are trending massively in the wrong direction. It didn't help that Madison Bumgarner crashed a dirt bike. It and didn't help that he had a freak injury with his pinky going into last year. Uh, but still, there's so much more that's wrong there, and you're paying Mark Melanson something like $14 million a year Here, here's, to be here's, a middle Here's reliever. the better question. Do you think Madison Bumgarner will be on this team, on the Giants, on August the 1st, the day after the if trade they, deadline is If set? they have any idea what they're doing, he shouldn't be. He should have been traded this offseason. You have to unload everybody and anybody that you can. Understandably, a lot of people are not going to pay it through the nose for a Brandon Belt or a Joe Panic, maybe a Brandon Crawford, but you got to start selling 
these guys, man. And you know what? To the Giants' credit, and we're going to get to Larry Bear here in a moment, but to the Giants' credit, I think what they did was they took care of their guys that got them to the promised land. Well, that's what they've always done. To then. their detriment. So that's the issue. Bill Walsh's mind. philosophy was always cut a guy a year early. You don't want to have a guy around a year or two late. The Giants and Bochi, Bruce Bochi, the, the skipper, he, he's so loyal to his guys. But that's how you end up with guys like Hunter Pence, who are just not productive the last two years of gargantuan contracts. They're going to have to decide. I'm surprised. I thought in the offseason they were going to deal Bumgarner, get back a load of prospects, and hopefully some that were close to major league ready, and kind of follow more of a Houston Astros philosophy. But what I'm assuming is that because the velocity has been down in recent years, that maybe the market just wasn't there, that the offers for Madison Bumgarner weren't great. So we'll see what happens two and a half months into the season. And, you know, if teams get desperate, a contender wants a solid arm that they can count on, and his performance looks like a guy. I mean, look, you put him in a playoff game, and you're feeling pretty confident about Madison oh, Bumgarner man. trotting I mean, in. So yeah. his resume speaks for itself. Uh, but we'll see where all that goes. Anyway, I'm, are you giving me the 15 on uh, the subtract? Because you're at 89, minus 15 is 74, which is right where the Giants 73.5 were right on the number. We I'll tell be, you what. Meatball Paul and I, I'm <laughs> holding him up. I'm going to give him a sniff. Oh, God, that's Brutal. awful. Uh, I will make this bet. I'll, I'll go minus 15. I will take the A's. And you have to consummate the bet by taking a really strong pull of Meatball Paul right now. Well, I can do that. Hi, Larry. <laughs> All right. And then tell he's us how he, tell us how he smells. Actually, he's not as bad as when you first got him as a gift. <laughs> I kind of like him. He's kind of like Febreze to me right now. All right, we'll keep I'm him on your desk, right and I'm we'll get him, your appetite worked right up. Here. Leonard, are we good on this? 15, 15 gap, A's. We'll win 15 more games than the Giants this year. The loser has to eat two meatball subs. All right. It's I, done. I will make sure to make a note of this, and we'll revisit this later. Uh, and we'll eat them on the podcast. Okay. All right, let's talk about something uh, more serious because the, the Giants have had a rough offseason. You had some comments by one of their owners uh, and donations uh, that were made that uh, caused a big ruckus. Um, the, the biggest thing that happened in the offseason for the Giants was the Larry Bear video that surfaced the, the Giants CEO and part owner with him in an altercation with his wife Pam and the penalty came down from Major League Baseball that he would be suspended uh, for a few months and uh, I think it's up until, until July the 1st and so then the question is all right what happens from there and there's a lot of debate on whether in fact we just had uh, ABC7 news reporter Luz Pena in here mm -hmm. uh, giving uh, us her perspective on you know what we saw in that video she felt should be uh, enough to fire somebody that was a fireable offense if you look on Twitter people are going back and forth and back and forth on the severity of the penalty some thinking that that altercation was an accident and there should be no suspension others thinking that uh, this is as, as uh, Lou said a fireable offense wherever you come down on that debate uh, here's the the thing I think people are missing because the most significant thing I believe in the long run for the Giants is going to be the change that takes place because Larry Bear is going to go from the the CEO and face of the franchise he is the boss essentially the boss is about to get a boss mm -hmm. because, and I'll just read the quote 
uh, from the Giants release. It says the new structure will give the Giants a different permanent control person who will represent the ownership group to Major League Baseball. There's going to be somebody over. There has not been, uh, if you go back a few years to Bill Newcomb, who was running the franchise for a couple of years, I think that was until 2011, Larry Bear's been in charge, large and in charge in all facets. That is about to change. And it's, I think it's going to be a dramatic change over time because the Giants are making the statement that, okay, he is not going to be the final word on all baseball matters, all development matters, because they've got a huge real estate project. That, that I mean, yeah. maybe that's the way they end up positioning this, is he's going to take over the, the real estate and the investment portfolio or whatever the Giants have in mind for Lot A in that area. But I think that is dr- the dramatic news, is that Rob Dean, who is the son-in-law of the late Giants owners Harmon and Sue Burns. He's stepping in as the interim leader of the organization, and maybe he ends up, we don't know how it's going to play itself out, but he is going to assume that role, and maybe he ends up being Larry Bear's boss. When you were the boss and you get a boss, Mm -hmm. often... Meet the new boss, not the same as the old boss in this case. And you, you end up... Uh, making an exit somewhere along the line. I don't know if that's what the Giants are setting up, but I think that's the part of the story that's been underplayed by a lot of people who've been arguing back and forth about the merits of the suspension, the length of the suspension, and we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting when when Larry Bear does come back to to see his comments and what the real future is. But the Giants, there's no question about it. Their organization is going to be in massive transition. Uh, the the question mark over Larry Bear, Bruce Bochy's final season, Brian Sabian, who was their longtime general manager got kicked upstairs and you'd have to think that he's going to be part of the older regime Farhan Zaidi is the new guy and I would assume that Rob Dean and the ownership group all signed off on him absolutely had to they, they would have had to so you you think he's solid but you don't know who's going to be managing the team you don't really know who's going to be in charge of overall baseball. I mean, they don't have, quote-unquote, a general manager at this point because that's not Farhan's title. But how is this all going to be structured, and what is the philosophy going to be? I I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to be to spend $171 million for 73 wins. No, it should be to tear down and rebuild. And the point you're making really got lost in the shuffle. A lot of people, some people, I should say, were really wanting to see more of a punishment for Larry Bear. And I think when you look at what's happening, ultimately, the suspension isn't the story. The suspension is a byproduct of the whole situation. And having somebody that he's now going to have to report to, I think in a lot of ways that starts the transition process of him potentially being out the door if if he can't remedy this entire situation. And, uh, you know, when you're going to have to report to somebody new when you're coming in, fresh off a suspension for anything I think that's a sign that things are going to be changing and it's not a great outcome for Larry Bear and I mean I think if you look at what happened and the video and we don't want to read too much into all the other stuff around it but if you or I did the exact same thing I'm not sure we're standing here working for the company we're working for anymore I'm not sure we're sitting here podcasting I'm not sure uh, we're going to have a job after that. So I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in the way that uh, different companies are going to operate here. And it's it's a bad look. It's an embarrassment for the franchise. And 
you could really see that this news is the beginning of the end, in my opinion. It could definitely be the case. Yeah, it's interesting you use that phrase because the day the video came out, I had a number of people texting me saying, this has to be the beginning of the end. And it's an unfortunate way, if, if it turns out, that that's the way uh, Larry Bear's career goes. But we'll see. There's a lot that could happen in the next few months. And in the meantime, the Giants have somebody else in charge, and uh, we'll see what the, the product is on the field. Uh, all right, that's enough baseball talk for now. Are we we covered the the, the the serious stuff and some of the silly stuff? Did you make your pick in your in your draft yet? Uh, you guys, I've made <laughs> seven picks since we started this. While podcast. we were doing this, yeah, you're so, kidding me. Uh, Talk about this is a six keeper league, so a lot of guys are off the board as it starts, and I didn't keep anybody. So my first two picks were Chris Davis and George Springer, and believe me when I say they were the two best players on the board. All the good players are already kept on other rosters. So right now my roster consists of Chris Davis, George Springer, uh, George Sanchez, or sorry, Gary Sanchez, Joey Votto, Matt Chapman, and Madison Bumgarner. Oh, interesting. I've made a well, lot of homerish picks here, but I, I was say. a lot of guys are kept, so you're really working with the scraps here. Beautiful um, job of multitasking, because I didn't realize that you I were don't know clicking how and I've picking while, to you, make while you did that. Seven or, you can make yeah. another pick while uh, Super Producer Leonard asks us his question. Actually, I'm going to bring you guys into my world a little bit. I love it. Okay, so this week has been a big deal for eSports. E mm -hmm. uh, the Overwatch tournaments aired yes. on ABC7. Shout out uh, SF Shock. SF Shock, sixth seed, uh, went up against the undefeated Vancouver Titans. And, of course, they kept their undefeated title. Shocks went down, but they still made it to the finals along with the Vancouver Titans and the Seoul Dynasty. It's like a big deal. Uh, week off, April 14th is when they'll show back up again. Um, so I was thinking about that while I was watching and screaming at the TV this weekend, and I was thinking about you two. When was the last time either of you played a video game that made you just so upset you just rage quit and left? Hmm. Oh, I, this is easy for me. Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Because um, I might play a lot more video games. Yeah, because... I'm going to go in a direction that's probably not where you were heading in because I don't even know what, what's the most popular game that they play in the in the esports leagues. Well, it depends. Sometimes it's Counter Strike. Sometimes it's um, Overwatch. Uh, Overwatch. League of Legends is a whole other league. League of Legends is is probably one of the most popular. Yeah. It's definitely one of the more uh, branded ones, and also the one where you can win the most money out out of it. But also, uh, Starcraft is huge okay. in like Korea and a okay. bunch of other places. So, uh, I, I don't have any familiarity with any of those games but i used to play religiously mario kart with my daughter uh nikki and used to beat i mean it, it just wasn't even a contest it was just a, a constant drubbing game after game after race after race after race and then one day it all flipped and suddenly <laughs> nikki was beating me like a drum every time and then we we'd have uh, her friends come over and we, we'd have, you know, races where you have multiple people involved. And she was just like Mario Andretti in his prime. I mean, it was impossible. Mario to be Kart Andretti. Mario Kart Andretti. <laughs> exactly. That was Nikki. And so, in, you know, you race in a series of four races and you pick your track and all that. And it didn't matter what car I used. It didn't matter what track we went to. I mean, I'm just trying to eke out one win out of four races and sometimes it's just like eight, nine, ten races in a row. And the most frustrating thing in Mario Kart and the way it's set up is, you know, you're whatever the track, you're coming around the final turn and I'm going to win. I'm going to win. 
and then suddenly you get blown up from some. It's that blue. Uh, it's, it's that the, blue mushroom. Exactly. That, gets that just. <laughs> and you could see. It, you could feel it blue coming. Blue shell. My bad. You yeah, could feel shell. the blue shell. You can hear it, and you just know. Oh no! Oh no! 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 And uh, we had a race a few months ago, and. I just was so upset. I literally just threw the controller down <laughs> because I was winning. I was winning what was going to be the last race. And she got me at the tape with the blue shell. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I just said, done with this. I had to explain Mario Kart to my uh, – uh, Danielle's parents, my, my parents-in-law – and uh, the way I describe Mario Kart is it's basically socialism. When you're in first place, oh. you don't get all the great power-ups. You're just cruising. You're ahead of the pack. Yeah. When you're in the back of the pack, you're getting all the the blue turtle shells, the mushrooms. The you're bullet. Getting, yeah, you're getting the bullet. You're getting, you're getting every great power-up trying to get you back up to the top. So I consider Mario Kart to be a little bit like socialism in a weird way. It's the best way I could describe it. Um, I love Mario Kart, man. I play it all the time. I play it with my kids. I think we need to get a Nintendo Switch in here. Leonard says he has two, and we need to we need to have a legitimate battle. Oh, oh it's on now. Because it's on, Leonard. I consider myself to be among the best Mario Kart players on this planet Earth. Oh, Nikki will smoke. And you. I will you'll play. Be, you'll be brought to your I will knees play and... online against people from all around the world, Japan and France oh, and oh, Australia, let's... in the online battles on Mario Kart. And I'm, I'll still do really well. I didn't know that you could play you Mario Kart You can play Kart people online. across the Earth. Really? Yeah. And so I'm up in there. That. I'm up in there in the world the world ranks. Oh, you're, oh, you're in the world I'm rankings? I'm in the world yeah, rankings. up against me, though. So Yeah, so we That's might have to. Know. Leonard will be in on this, too. We'll have a Triple meatball sub bet. Loser eats. Three. Three. Meatball subs. Okay, so I like that. The one that gets me is like, so I was really uh, a big gamer, especially in high school, especially in college. Um, Halo was my game. I would play in competitions. Like, we would do all kinds of stuff, online, everything. Uh, I remember one time when I was in college, one of my roommates had a bunch of, like, frat buddies, and they said, oh, I'm the best Halo player in the world. I'll beat you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, right. So I was like, all right. 500 bucks. Let's go. Really? Right? Okay. To 15. You want to guess what the score on that game was, Leonard? To 15? 15? It was it was 15 to 1. Wow. I only got one. He got me one time, and it was because I at that point I was just showboating the whole Yeah, Yeah, I, I had such a huge lo- It was just not even a contest. So Halo was always my game. Uh, so then I was like, you know what? All the kids these days, all the young go-hards, they like Fortnite, right? Fortnite, it's a shooter game. I'm good at shooter games. I'll give Fortnite a try. I get Fortnite. My God, I suck at Fortnite. I suck. I suck. No matter what I do, I die. I can't. I can build the little forts. I can run around. I, ugh, man, I, I'm terrible at Fortnite. So I've gotten so frustrated at that game sometimes that that, yes, I would throw it down and walk away. We used to have this thing where if you play a video game and it's like a, you know, like a first person shooter or a game like that, if you can't get a single kill in a round, you don't belong playing video games. And Fortnite, oh man, I, I can't even tell you how many games I've played where I killed nobody. I'm uh, toast. I've, 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 Fortnite I have is no Fortnite knowledge. It's other way than too Ninja much for me. Ninja is the man in I've Fortnite. Had some, I've had some decent moments in Fortnite, but nothing I would stream home about. The Fortnite. Nothing I would stream home Fortnite. about. <laughs> That's terrible. what the kids do. They're streamers now. Gotcha. They're uh, all streamers. So yeah, Fortnite's it for me. All right. We were talking about Mario Kart, yeah. which is a, a nice transition 
to real driving. Oh yeah, now, because buddy. you. This is a. We have a feature. Tell me a story, and it could be anything. Usually, we have sports-related topics, but this week, it's not sports. It's about your recent venture. So, I rented a car, a Tesla Ooh. Model Three, in Nashville, Tennessee. How'd you get to Nashville? Why'd you go to Nashville? We flew to Nashville just to get away from home and away from your children. When I was the A's beat writer for a station we won't name, uh, the TV home of the A's, we went to Nashville, Tennessee to cover the winter meetings. And at the winter meetings, you basically just stay inside the hotel the whole time. You don't go anywhere. Everything's happening in the lobby. Mm-hmm. One night, me and the Giants insider at the time, uh, we went down to Broadway and to all the honky tonks. And it was one of the most fun nights I've ever had. The city is incredible. Every single venue you go into is stacked four levels deep with the best music you've ever heard. It's one of the coolest cities ever. So I had to go back. So my, my, my wife and I, we got away. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to rent a Tesla. So we rented it on this app called Turo. So we flew the red eye out of here. I literally left this office, went with my wife to the airport. We landed. We took a lift straight to a pet store in Nashville, Tennessee, where we picked store? up Why the did you Tesla go to a pet back. Store? I think the guy that owns the Tesla owns the pet store. So you can get a parakeet and a Tesla yeah. at the same time? So he left me the lockbox because he was out of town. I went in the lockbox, got the Tesla. This is about 6 a.m. We head off to the hotel, and they go, you can't check in until 3 p.m. Standard. So we have not slept, but maybe an hour or two on the plane. We have a Tesla, and we have like seven or eight hours to kill in Nashville. So what do we do? We up and drive out to Lynchburg, Tennessee. Home of? The Jack Daniels Distillery. <laughs> An hour and a half drive through the Nashville countryside. And let me tell you, the Tesla is not only lightning fast, like it comes off the line like a rocket, easily zero to 60 in three seconds, but it drives itself. And I was like, autopilot, that can't be that cool. It is. It is absolutely that cool. You set a speed, the car goes that speed, and it'll adjust speeds based on the speed limit automatically. It'll adjust if there's a car in front of it, it'll slow down. But yeah, we took the Tesla out to the Jack Daniels distillery, which sounds like a questionable thing to do. Why would you go to the distillery of Jack Daniels when you know you have to drive a Tesla that's not yours an hour and a half? Please drink responsibly. Please drink responsibly. The answer is Jack Daniels is in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and it is a dry county, my friends. You can't drink there. So you it's why did they set it up there because if you can't drink there it, it seems to be yeah the opposite of what you would want if you were it's the if you were making it's the liquor. oldest registered distillery in the entire united states it was it was created in 1866 that's when it was registered actually so it's been around even before that and so at some point during the tenure of the distillery the town voted to make it a dry county Interesting. But they had the distillery there. Every single bottle of Jack Daniels in the entire world comes right out of that building. I, and and you, it's incredible. You have some uh, pretty interesting Jack facts. I do I have Jack facts. So this started with Tesla, went into Jack Daniels. So we're like, we're going to show up. We got there at 9 a.m. on a Thursday. Right. I was like, we don't need to book a tour, right? No one's going to be there at 9 a.m. on a Thursday. Lynchburg, Tennessee. Lynchburg, How many Tennessee people could possibly be going middle of to nowhere. the home of Jack Daniels? Way too many. We had to wait over an hour for our tour. My wife fell asleep in the lobby, which was a hilarious photo. I texted it to Larry, I believe, at the time. So we hadn't slept. We're there. We go on the tour. Uh, We learned some really cool stuff. So Jasper Newton Daniel, a.k.a. Jack, Mm -hmm. was five feet two inches tall. 
He was a small man. They built the distillery where there's a cave and a spring of water that comes through there. And that spring of water somehow is the secret to everything they've done. Because of the location they happen to pick, they've basically become the best whiskey distillery in the world. Is it the fresh mountain spring it's water? It's something about the water. And so right outside that cave, the avatar photo or profile photo on my Twitter right now is me and the statue of Jack standing on a pile of rocks in front of that spring. And the title of the statue is Jack on the Rocks. Nice. Hilarious. Nice. So Jack Daniel was in his little uh, office one day, the original office we got to go into, and he got frustrated and he kicked his safe. Okay. And because of that, he ended up getting blood poisoning and dying. What? In 1911. He kicked his safe, so what? Ha he had he an got, infection in he, his foot? He's he a busted stubborn up his old, foot? He's a stubborn old dude. He busted up his foot, never went to the doctor, never had anybody look at it, ended up dying of blood poisoning because of it. So the funny thing is we're on the tour in the little, in the little office. You know, there's a group of people in there. There's an old guy kind of leaning on the safe. And then the tour guide tells the story, and the old guy is just like, ooh, like, he like, almost <laughs> fell off the safe. It was hilarious. Poor Jack. It was how, hilarious. Do you know how old he was died. when this tragic uh, event I'd unfolded? I'd have to Google that really okay. quick. I don't have his exact right. age, but it was fantastic. The area was amazing. My wife had barely slept, and she had the best time ever. Jack Daniels has always been my favorite drink. Jack and Coke, Jack and the Rocks, any of that stuff is like my go-to. Um, not my wife's, but she had a blast on the tour, and it was incredible. It was informative. We actually did get to taste some of the I was going to say, I know it's a dry county. We got to but... taste the most, like, premier of premier whiskeys they offer, one of which they said is $100 a shot. Woo! It's so rare. The other one was the Frank Sinatra blend. We got to, so There's you're not taking like blend. a full shot. You're just taking a little tiny sip. Um, it's a special blend they made just for Frank Sinatra. He was such a fan of Jack Daniels that when he passed away, he was buried with a bottle. Not no. with Jack, but with a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, not with the, not with five he foot two five Jack. He was five two. He could fit in <laughs> he there. He was not buried with five foot two Jack. He was buried with yeah, a bottle so of Jack. Yeah, so this place is obviously very old. I'd say the most interesting fact I had, the most interesting takeaway of the whole thing was, you know, you're going somewhere in the south. It's in a town called Lynchburg. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know about this. Uh, Jack Daniel, when he was six years old, moved out of his house. Six? Six years old, he moved out of his house and worked on, and lived on a farm. The person that he met on the farm and later became his best friend was a man named Neris Green. He was a slave. Neris Green is the man that created the original recipe for Jack Daniels. Jack and him were best friends throughout their entire lives. And when he was emancipated, he stayed with Jack. So if you go back and look at pictures, there's all these great photos of Jack and Neris and all the rest of the people working in the distillery. At that time in our country, that, was, that didn't happen. It was frowned upon. Interesting. And, and Jack didn't care. He's like, this guy's an awesome guy. So Jack like, was he's progressive. my best friend. He was progressive. So that was one of the coolest things I learned was how actually progressive Jasper Newton Daniel was until he kicked that safe. Bad. Don't. So moral of the story, don't kick safes. Don't kick anything. And he was 61 when he died. Wow. Oh, you looked it up. Well, that's. So know, he could have done a lot more. He could have done more. He could have. Yeah. So he was a very progressive man. 
Uh, the town of Lynchburg, really crazy. They drive you through as part of the tour, and they're like, there's our skyscraper, and it's just like a two-story hardware store. Like, there's nothing there. It's one tiny little square, a restaurant, a couple hardware stores, that's it. And then a massive distillery that's been operated there uh, since well before 1866. One of the coolest things I've ever done. And the Tesla, whoo! Yeah, I recently I had have to get one. a Tesla test drive, and the car is really impressive. Really impressive. Every podcast... We try to tie in a news story since I do the news and the sports. And speaking of Teslas, uh, we recently had a guest in on our ABC 7 News at 4 show, Bala Afshar, who has the best title of anybody I know. He is the chief digital evangelist at Salesforce. And Vala had posted uh, something on his Twitter feed which indicated that the electric car actually is not a new invention. Hmm. They were driving electric cars in 1900 and i was shocked when i saw this and uh, val is a great guy but started to do some research on this in 1900 38 percent of the cars in america 38 were electric well remember very few people had cars yeah 1900 we're talking 1900 40 percent of the cars were a steam engine 22 percent uh, were gasoline fueled now in 1912 there were 38,000 electric cars on the road they were quiet. They weren't smoky. Remember, you see the old films where people have to do the hand crank, the hand crank <laughs> to start their car. Well, there was none of that. Uh, in fact, uh, the president, Woodrow Wilson, he had a Milburn electric car at one point. So even the president of the United States apparently had an electric car. One vehicle, this I thought was really interesting, had a range of up to, it was 60 to 100 miles, but 100 miles. Right now, I mean, the electric cars, the Tesla, if you get the loaded one, I think it'll go like 350 miles with, with the, the full, the big battery. But, okay, so what happened? Well, it cost several times more than the Ford Model T, mm-hmm. which, as we all know, became the car in America, Ford Motor Company. So cost was a factor, and so was cheap gasoline. So you put the two together, and the oil companies starting to come into prominence, and the overwhelming number of cars on the road now are gasoline, but electric is making a comeback, and we'll see what happens. But I was stunned to know that in 1900, we're talking about 118 years ago, 119 years ago, they had electric cars. If we had only gone down that path, now maybe the technology really wasn't Available to make it as viable if, like, as it is now. Oil lobbyists also no, probably had their hand on think. this. <laughs> you don't think there's oil there's companies? Need, yeah, I think there's a little have... bit there. Well, Leonard, when did Nikolai Tesla live? Because he was like on the forefront of all the electrical enhancements and that's, science. That's and, another ask your friend Google question. Yeah, but, but I don't know if he was around back then when these cars were. He's obviously, he's the guy that, that Elon Musk is paying tribute to by naming the company Tesla. Right. So, so Tesla was actually alive between 1856 and 1943. So he would have been alive during this electric revolution of cars. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's God, interesting. The things you learn, the history you learn on this podcast. <laughs> A sports podcast uh, giving you the history of Jack Daniels and electric vehicles. Yeah. We may be a little bit off track. I think so. But uh, just to get back to the Tesla, 270 miles was the range on it. I okay. drove it an hour and a half to and from Lynchburg. We went out to dinner. We had plenty of miles left before we returned it. 
So Elon the thing Musk was fantastic. Should probably be sponsoring this podcast. Elon, this if you're point. listening, all it'll take is two Teslas, maybe three. <laughs> Any model. Yeah, I don't gonna, care what model. Model three. The three. three is I'll nice. take a three. All right, let's let's wrap this thing up. Well, I think that to wrap this podcast up, the best thing we could possibly say is follow us. Subscribe. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on SoundCloud, we're on YouTube. And what we really need right now is we're getting started. Feedback. Give us five stars. Don't even listen. Just go there. Five stars. Well, Just trust us. They can listen. <laughs> Just trust us. Trust us. We're very reliable people. We've got you. I think you should do that. And while we're getting started here, we're going to start working on having some amazing prizes. We do have prizes. That They're legally, we're not allowed to talk about. They're off camera right over there. <laughs> I can we have see them. them. They're so close. If only we could give one away at the end of this podcast. They might rhyme with Esla. No, they <laughs> don't. No, they, <laughs> they do not rhyme don't. with Esla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless it's a little toy Tesla. Uh, anyway, all right, so that's going to do it for this week. And uh, we invite everybody, again, hit the subscribe button on, on whatever format you were listening to. And like us, rate us, check us out on Twitter, abc7news.com. You can go there anytime for anything about what we do here at ABC7. I'm 11 picks in my draft, and I got about 14 more to go. So for now, it is time to say... Aloha!